0: Welcome to Practical Christian Living.
1: Here's what I believe. I believe that you and I are twin to Thomas from time to time. Who here has not doubted at some point in their life? Who here has not been a skeptic at some point? Who here maybe even chose to not believe and walk away for a time? I believe there are people here who've done it. We are like a twin to Thomas. We
0: call him Doubting Thomas. I don't know if that's fair. Are there things in the Bible that you have trouble believing? We can all be like Thomas. Let our doubting drive us to discover the truth of the Word of God so that the foundation on which our faith stands is firm and unshakable. Today on Practical Christian Living, we are looking at doubting and trusting God when we pray and when He answers in a way we might not expect. With more from John chapter 11, verses 1 through 16, Here's Robert Furrow, pastor of Calvary, Tucson.
1: Now, this is an ongoing teaching that Jesus has had in all of the the Gospels. What he's saying is, it's time to work, work. It'll be time in the darkness soon enough, it'll be time for you to sleep. Work while the time is, work while it's light so you can see what you're doing. And so let me ask you, what was Jesus saying to us? Is it light now or is it dark? Is it time for us to do the work or is it time to us to take a break? The time for us to take a break will come, but it's time now for us to do the work. And that's what Jesus is saying. It's time now for me to go and do the work that God has called me to do. And I must do this while it is daylight. And then in verse 11, he says, these things he said. And after that, he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. All through the New Testament, Jesus used it, the disciples used it, when a Christian died, used the term sleep. I think we should return to it. I think that we should say when one of our family members dies, they've gone to sleep. Because they will awake again in our presence at the resurrection. And to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ, so they are there now. When you die, you don't go to sleep until the resurrection, you are in his presence immediately and they will look upon him and their faces will be will be glorified as they are standing in the presence of God and so he says to them Lazarus sleeps our friend Lazarus sleeps notice that again the the term phileo our friend Lazarus sleeps but I'm going that I can wake him up then the disciple said Lord if he sleeps he'll get well however Jesus spoke of his death but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Therefore, Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And get this, and I'm glad for your sake. Boy, that's something we thought we'd never hear. Lazarus is dead and I'm glad for your sake that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. He's going to give them such a miracle that this will carry them throughout the rest of their lives. One of the evidence that Christianity is true is that these 12 men went out and preached the gospel throughout the world. They were martyred and they stuck to their story. The idea is that out of 12 men, if if it wasn't true, they're being tortured. All of them were tortured. John didn't die from his torturing, but he was still tortured. Out of the 12 men, one of them would have broke. At least one of them. Okay, we made it up. Let me tell you where his body is. But these guys didn't. They endured suffering and hardship and they brought the gospel around the world in their lifetime. The gospel was taken all around the world in their lifetime. And Jesus says, I want you to see this so you believe. And he became, because the fact that Lazarus was dead was throughout all of Jerusalem. And many of the leaders knew Lazarus. And when Lazarus rises from the dead, they they see it, but they can't believe. They plan on killing Lazarus as if Jesus couldn't rise up from the dead again. But that's what they plan on. They are so rooted and grounded in their disbelief that even when someone who's been dead for four days rises from the dead, they still do not believe. I think there are people like that today. We live in a time that God doesn't give us extreme evidence. We don't have overwhelming evidence. We have reasonable evidence in the scriptures. We have the historical record. We have archaeology records. We have geographical uh, accounts in the scriptures that are all true. We have an incredible accuracy, even some scientific things that are brought up in the scriptures that are accurate. This all, and we have prophecy in the Bible that has been fulfilled. And these all are reasonable enough for us to say, You know what I believe. I'm going to choose to believe in him. But we are saved by believing. We are not saved by certainty. Now, in case you've lost why I'm talking about this, look at what Jesus says again. Because I feel like maybe some people are going, why is he talking about this? Look at it again. He says at the end of verse 14, or in verse 15, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there that you may believe. He's giving them this incredible sign so that they will believe. I think it's pretty crazy, too, that Thomas is here. We're told in a minute that Thomas is there. And Thomas has trouble believing the resurrection of Jesus, even after he was given this great sign. Talk about a skeptic. And so then he says, nevertheless, let us go. I'm I'm glad so that you guys can believe. Nevertheless, let's go to him. Then Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. Which just cracks me up. A couple of things about Thomas. First of all, he's called the twin. And we don't know anything about his twin. We never meet his twin. We don't know anything about it. We're not told anything about it. But here's what I believe. I believe that you and I are twin to Thomas from time to time. Who here has not doubted at some point in their life? Who here has not been a skeptic at some point? Who here maybe even chose to not believe and walk away for a time? I believe there are people here who've done it. We are like a twin to Thomas. We call him Doubting Thomas. I don't know if that's fair. But certainly we see pessimistic Thomas here. He could have said, when Jesus said, nevertheless, let's go to him. He could have said, come on, guys. This is, this is Jesus. This is the Messiah. We've seen him do a bunch of miracles. Let's go with him. It's going to be okay. Jesus has taken us there. Nope. Let's go with him so we can die with him. He's like the Eeyore of the Bible. (laughs) It's my birthday. Nobody cares. We're going to Jerusalem to die. Following the Messiah there. First of all, he's a twin. Secondly, he's a pessimist. We all fall somewhere on that spectrum between pessimists and optimists. But also, I like to call myself a realist. But because I call myself a realist, I'm probably more on the pessimistic side. But I'm a pretty optimist guy, so I don't know. But I do, I do know that I'm more of a skeptic. I always have been. I don't believe something just because somebody says it. And if somebody tells me something supernatural happened, my first instinct is to go, no, it didn't. In my mind. I'm sorry to confess that to you if you've told me something supernatural that happened to you. <laughs> I'm just telling you what goes on in my mind. I, I, I've had to go in and search prophecy in the Bible and to learn it well, because I wanted that evidence. I wanted that what reasonable evidence for the commitment that I have made to Christ. I studied the historical evidence and the archeological evidence, not for, to, to be able to teach you guys, but for my own personal confidence in believing in Jesus and trusting in him. So he was a twin, kind of like us, and he was a pessimist. We also see in, uh, in John chapter 14 that he was, a, he was one who questioned things. He was a questioner. In John chapter 14, Jesus has the disciples in the upper room. It's the Last Supper. He's washing their feet. He's telling them about the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then he says to them, He looks out on their faces. He tells them, One of you is going to deny me, and one of you is going to betray me. And they're troubled. And so Jesus looks out at the troubled faces of these disciples, and He says, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I'm going away. And if I go away, I will come and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And you know where I'm going and you know the way. Now, I think that 11 of the disciples were going, yeah, yeah, we know where you're going and we know the way. Kind of like me in algebra class in high school. I was nodding my head, I didn't understand a thing. Yeah, yeah. And I was nodding my head like I really understood it because I wanted the teacher to let us go out early. But there was always the person that asked a question, you see a hand go up and you're like, oh, she was just ready to let us go down early. So Thomas says to Jesus there in John 14, I think it's verse three or four, he says, we don't know where you're going and we don't know the way. I love the honesty. You know where I'm going and you know the way. We don't know the way. We don't know where you're going. And then Jesus said to him these great words, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. Aren't you glad Thomas asked that question? Had Thomas not asked that question, Jesus would have never have given that response, that great response, that he truly is the way, the truth, and the life. He was a man who questioned everything. And then, of course, he was a man who doubted. He was a man who wanted proof. So when Jesus rises from the dead, he doesn't appear to everybody at one time for a week. He appears to Simon Peter. He appears to Mary Magdalene. He appears to Jesus's brother, James, who becomes the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. He appears to some women, which is amazing. The first person to see the resurrection were women. You know why that's so amazing? Because all around the the Greco-Roman world, women weren't allowed to give testimony in court. They couldn't do it. And so when these women came back and said, he's alive, we've seen him. They were like, ah, No way. They didn't believe him. The disciples on the Emmaus Road were leaving, their head head hung low and they're all upset and Jesus joins them on the road and says, why are you guys so upset? They said, are you the only stranger here in Jerusalem that you don't know these things that have happened these last few days? How they, we had hoped that he would be the Messiah and they killed him? And on top of that, some women came and said they saw him. That's how they throw it in. They don't believe their testimony at all. They're just like, some women came and said they saw him. But Jesus had appeared to them But then exactly one week later, on Sunday, that night, the doors being closed, the Bible says, and the windows being barred, Jesus suddenly appeared in their midst. After the body had been gone, after these appearances, he's there with the 11, because Thomas isn't there. Of course, Thomas isn't there. And Jesus says, peace be with you. And he sat down and he ate with them so they would know that he was risen from the dead, that he had a body that wasn't just a spirit. And then when they saw Thomas, they said, Thomas, you should have been here. Jesus showed up. And Thomas, you know what he said. He said, I will not believe unless I put my fingers in his hand and stick my hand into his side. I will not believe. That's a skeptic. That's maybe somebody on their way to being agnostic or atheist. That's wanting overwhelming evidence, right? So eight days later, Thomas is with them. Again, the Bible says the doors being locked and the windows being barred, and Jesus appeared in the midst of them and said, Peace be with you. He probably needed to do that because some of them got startled. And then all of a sudden, there's Jesus. Ah, Peace be with you. It's okay. But then he said to Thomas, Here's my hands. Here's my side. Put your fingers in my hands. Put your hand in my side. And Thomas fell down on the ground and said, my Lord and my God. Thomas didn't need that evidence. He never touched his hands. He never put his hand in his side. When he saw Jesus, it was enough. And here's the thing. You might have the evidence that you need. I need to see this. This is the evidence that I need. But God knows exactly what you need. And in the end of this study, a couple of things. First of all, we'll deal with the skeptic. If you are a skeptic, maybe a doubter, You've got doubt now. God's big enough to handle your doubt. Thomas took his doubt to God, essentially. God handled it. If you're an atheist or an agnostic and you're listening to this, can I just suggest something? Maybe give you a little bit of advice. Maybe you don't want any advice from me as a pastor, but, but maybe a little bit of humility. Maybe instead of saying, I want God to reveal himself to me, maybe you just add a little humility Because nobody can prove God and nobody can disprove God. If there's one thing that everybody agrees on, it's that. No one can 100% disprove God because you had to have something that started everything. And it could be God. And no one can prove God. And so how about saying, "Mm, just in case he may be real, maybe I should say, Lord, would you reveal yourself to me? Just a little, little dose of humility. The Bible says that God is against the proud. He's against the arrogant. And if you are proud and arrogant, then you will not hear from him. But maybe with a little humility, you'd find that he might be on your side and you might receive exactly what you need. I think of the man that had his little girl or little child who was, uh, the Bible says, demon-possessed and threw herself into water and threw herself into fires, tried to kill herself. What a distressing thing for a parent. And so this man came to Jesus and said, Lord, help us. And Jesus said, If you believe, all things are possible. And the man said, I believe, but help my unbelief. That's a good thing to do. Because when we have doubts, it's not the end of the world. Doubting isn't the unforgivable sin. Walking away from God isn't the unforgivable sin. Turning your back on Him isn't the unforgivable sin. Not even close. So that if you say to him, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And Jesus healed that father's daughter. By the way, there were many parents that came to Jesus. This is a side note. This is a rabbit trail. I'll be quick. There were many parents that came to Jesus and Jesus listened to their prayers and and healed their children. Don't forget to pray for your kids because God listens to the prayers of parents. And I love that the man said, help us. Because when something happened to your kid, you need help. Help us, don't forget to pray for them. There's there's power in that. Secondly, and more to the point of the study, that we would say to God, Lord, you're, you're God, you're Lord, I'm not. You tell me what to do, I don't tell you what to do. Sometimes when bad things happen to us, we feel like the bad things happen to us because God doesn't love us. And we judge the love of God through our circumstances. This is is not unique to us. People do it everywhere. They judge the love that God has for them through their circumstances. If God loved me, I wouldn't be going through this. But rather than that, we should judge our circumstances through the love of God. God loves me. And even though I'm going through this and even though it's difficult and even though it's hard, I know God loves me and that He has my best in mind and that this difficulty can be used even for God's glory And according to Romans 8, 28, even for your good. Would you stand with me? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this incredible passage in which Jesus interacts with his disciples. And we learn so much about your plan and so much about when you are silent and when it looks like from our perspective that you are delayed. Lord, we thank you that we can have a confidence of the love that you have for us. I also pray for those that are here tonight that have been doubting. Lord, I pray for those that are here who who need extraordinary evidence. I pray that they would understand that you've reached out and given reasonable evidence. And now they have a choice to make. Believe. Because if you were going to give us evidence like you gave the disciples with your resurrection, then we wouldn't need it. So Lord, we pray that you would help us to have that belief. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'd like you to keep your heads bowed, please, and your eyes closed for just a couple of minutes. Jesus finished saying to Thomas when Thomas said, my Lord and my God, he said, blessed are you, Thomas, because you've seen and you believed, but blessed are those who don't see and yet they believe. All 12 of those disciples saw and believed and they were blessed from it. But all of us here tonight have not seen and yet we believe. And if you have never surrendered your life to Christ, if you have never invited Him in, if you have never received Him, then tonight could be the night of your glory. It could be the night that you say, I believe, I trust Him. The Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him righteousness. What did he believe? He believed that Sarah was going to have a son who would bring the Messiah. And if you say, I believe God, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that He went to the cross for me and I'll receive you and I accept you into my life. Then God will transform you And you will be born again. The Bible says if anyone's in Christ, he's like a new creation. Old things pass away and behold, everything becomes new. If you say, I want to live my life for Christ, it's as simple as receiving him, being deliberate about inviting him in. The Bible says as many as receive him, he gives the power to become a child of God, even to those who believe in his name. So it's up to you. You have a choice. You've been given the right to your life. And you could say to him, I want you come into my life. Or you could say, go away. And if you say go away, he will not come in. He won't force himself on you. When the Gadareans asked Jesus to leave, the Bible says he got in the boat and he left. But in doing that, they gave up their lives. For Jesus said, if you seek to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll save it. If you're here today and God's drawing you, and you would like to give your life to Him, I want to give you that chance in a moment. Also, if you're watching online or listening on Reach Radio. Also, if you have walked away, you made a commitment to Christ in the past, but maybe it was different than you thought. There were other expectations. And so you walked away. Your, your faith was quickly choked out. Or, or maybe you got distracted by the cares and the worries of this world. The desire to make money and the, the Word of God got got choked out in your life but you're here now and you're ready you're ready to return you're ready to come back to him you're ready to find out what plan he has for you and to give your life to him in a new fresh way and I want to give both of you guys the ones who are coming for the very first time and the ones who are coming back you're both being deliberate about it you're both being intentional about receiving Christ but if you want to give your life to Christ tonight then I'm going to ask you to do something simple right where you are raise your hand I want to make my way around the room and I want to acknowledge the hands that are raised. God bless you, sir. That's great. Anyone else? God bless you. And God bless you, both of you guys there. That's great. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And today, if you hear God's voice, don't harden your heart. If the door is open and God's drawn, you don't harden your heart against Him tonight. So just one more time, out in the foyer, The pavilion, all right. You can put your hands down and I'd like you to pray with with me. Repeat a prayer with me if you raised your hand as well. Everybody, including those who raised their hands and those who are watching online as well, if you would pray with me. And if you responded, know that God's with you there and He knows your heart. Or if you're listening while you're driving down the road or listening to Reach Radio tonight, that you'd commit your life to Him. Repeat this prayer after me, would you? Dear Heavenly Father, I confess that I've sinned and I know that my sin has separated me from you. But I also understand that I can be forgiven by the death of Jesus on the cross. So I invite you into my life and I turn from my sin that I can live for you in the name of Jesus amen welcome to the family of god very excited i committed my life to christ at a fairly young age and then at 18 i walked away at 19 i came back and i can tell you that both times when i committed my life to christ and when i came back to the lord god worked in a very powerful way He transformed me. He did work in my life. And for those of you who responded tonight, whether on our live live online campus or the radio or here in person, God is gonna move in your life in a powerful way. Let me pray for you. And then we'll we'll sing a song before we go. Um, Reach out your hand towards me, would you, as I pray for you? Father, I wanna pray for those that are here in this room now. And Lord, we think about those that we know, maybe even our children, and we lift them up before you. And we pray, God, that you would do a wondrous work, that you would intervene where it seems impossible, that you would do miracles. Help us, we pray, in the name of Jesus. I also pray for those that are here that are sick. I pray that you would touch and heal. I pray for those that have difficult marriages. I pray that you would bring peace into the home. I pray for those that are depressed, that the darkness would be lifted, for those that are oppressed, that the enemy would be bound in the name of Jesus. I pray for those that are here that are stressed and that are anxious, that you would, by our request and our thankfulness, give us peace of mind. I pray for those that are here that are struggling in their lives, perhaps in their faith, perhaps with addiction, perhaps in behavior. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen them I pray for every Christian here that they would be strong in you and in the power of your might. And we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
0: We pray that the Lord is speaking to you in a personal way here at Practical Christian Living. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com.